Welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast with your host, James Cast. This podcast is dedicated to my favorite hobby, tabletop sports. I'll review games in my collection, discuss how I approach different projects, and even recap the latest games from my tabletop. Have questions, thoughts, or feedback? Feel free to reach me at tabletopsportcast at gmail.com or check out the Tabletop Sportcast page on Facebook. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, take a minute to give us a five-star rating. Today is episode 39, and I'm going to be doing an in-depth review of how I create lineups in Fury Hardball. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the week that was on the tabletop. So for today's recap, I'm actually going to be covering the last week and a half as around my year in review episode and then my annual plan episode. I basically did a week and a half at one point and now I'm doing that. Well, another week and a half uh, coverage for the events that took place on my tabletop. So this will cover everything starting with December 30th through January 8th and it was a really good mix of games that have been on the tabletop in the past week and a half, and I'll kind of take you through them in order for the most part. Uh, starting with Demo Derby Smashdown. So I got race number nine of my 2021 season in. Uh, Turner Gallo was the one who got the win. It was a lot of damage being dealt throughout the whole event, and even Gallo finished the race with a lot of damage to his car, but was basically the one who outlasted everybody else. So he gets a big win, and, and that was uh, the the one event that I've played for that. I have about three more races coming up this current month that, to finish out that project. I also played game two of my 1974 National League lacrosse season. This was Philadelphia at Maryland. Philadelphia won a back-and-forth game, 16-15. to 15. Uh, they actually had to make a big comeback in the fourth in the yeah in the fourth quarter, scoring six goals, and that was game two of that using the lacrosse blast by play games. And then I had uh, probably one of the events that took me the longest to play. I had the United States Championship uh, with decathlon. Now there's a large number of u.s athletes in the decathlon set i think it's a total of 18 of them so typically when i do an event i'll do eight to ten uh, athletes competing together but this one was you know the one that was the biggest one so it was almost like playing a little over two games worth um in the end it was bob matthias who Took the gold. He scored 8,817 points. He beat out Glenn Morris by 21 points. And Harold Osborne finished third, um, about 70 points behind Matthias. So those are the top three who automatically advanced to the world championships. The rest of them are going to go into a pool, and I actually will take an additional four wild card or three wild card spots uh, to round out the world championship field. So there's couple more u.s athletes who will have a shot there i continued the legends of boxing career of my fictional boxer chris the cannon carter uh we actually have gotten through fight number six for carter 
his second and third fights both had similar storylines where he went out quick, got scored a ton of points, almost got TKOs in the first round. Uh, and then the his opponent was able to hold on till the end. In, in fight two, he won by unanimous decision, Carter. And then in fight three, he won by a split decision. And then since then, it's been just dominating performances for Carter. He wins fights four, five, and six, all by TKO. Uh, the fight number four went into the third round before being stopped, and fights five and six both were stopped in the first round. His most recent fight only went a minute and 41 seconds. So he is now, after six fights, at 6-0 and oh, with four knockouts and has just become a seasoned boxer. So that is progressing nicely, and he is just on the cusp of having an opportunity to become a uh, title fight contender. I think two, maybe two more fights before we can get to that level with him. His reputation right now stands at uh, 16 points. So probably needs two more fights to get over that 20 plateau. But I may have an opportunity to take on a higher ranked opponent in this next fight. So we'll see how that plays out. I also have done some uh, History Maker Baseball. I was able to get through really three days in the schedule, 20, uh, September 24th, 25th, and 26th of my 1940 replay. On the 24th, uh, and I think this was finishing out perhaps, but uh, now 24th, uh, St. Louis ended up beating Cleveland. And then Cleveland came back on the 25th and beat St. Louis. And then Detroit also on the 25th had a double header with Chicago, which they split. So all told, uh, it, we go into the final three games where Cleveland and Detroit will meet each other with Cleveland holding a three-game lead. So the best that Detroit can hope for now is a tie and enforce a one-game playoff, whereas Cleveland will just need one more win to clinch the American League pennant. And then the winner, of course, will go on to face Cincinnati for the World Series. Uh, the 26th actually was a uh, autoplay day because all the games besides the contending teams, which is really down to Cleveland and Detroit, uh, I just autoplay. So the 26th was all autoplay. Uh, and right now, the rest of the standings really doesn't matter. So, um, But I got through three days in the schedule, and now the last – few days to play will all feature the that the the matchup between Detroit and Cleveland. Let's see. I also got hockey blast on the table. I started my new project, which is the 2020-21 New York Rangers replay. I'm going to play out the exact schedule that they played in that shortened season. And game 1 against Tampa Bay, they were at Tampa Bay and lost to Tampa Bay 3 to nothing. So Lightning dominate the Rangers. And then I got red, white, and blue racing on the table. My 2021 season, which is really the 1990s stars. We were at Martinsville, and it was Alan Kulwicki who dominated the second half of the race. He took the lead in turn 14 and led the rest of the way uh, as he picks up a big win, his first of the season. And my overall points leader, still for 
my 1990s season is Jeff Burton. Jeff Burton continues to maintain his lead in our season standings. Uh, but a few races still to go, and it's close enough that others have a chance here. Uh, the top three are Burton, Ernie Irvin, and Morgan Shepard. So be interesting to see how that plays out. And that was mostly it. I did do some play testing for a new game uh, that Cooper Gilbert is uh, putting together called Quick Series Baseball. And played some games for the 1986 season for that. So it's going to be an interesting game. I'll probably cover it in more depth at some point when it's further along. But, you know, one of the other things I'm trying to mix in now is where people need it, doing some play testing of games. And uh, I also got a couple of non-sports games on the table, too. I won't go into those too much since this is really focused on sports. But that's pretty much what the mix of games had been for uh, the past week and a half. Now let's turn to our main topic, which will be how we make lineups for Fury Hardball. So Fury Hardball is one of the two Fury sports that are available by from Play Now. And uh, it's a game that I've played quite a bit. I think I've covered it in the past as well. And I will kind of throw out the disclaimer that I, I've heard from a lot of different people that and and everyone has a little different way of putting together lineups for this. So I don't think that this is the end all be all, but I figured, you know, I, I would at least share my approach to lineup creation here. And it starts with the big plays in Fury Hardball. To me, the game will hinge a lot on uh, the three like double plays in a sense. And I use that term lightly because it has a baseball connotation to it. But uh, when I think about the three big plays in, in Fury Hardball, it's the dingers, which are basically like your home runs and they are worth two runs. You have your zingers, which are like your strikeouts and they are worth two outs. And then you have your stingers, which are big defensive plays and are also worth two outs. So on defense, I am trying to maximize the opportunities for the zingers and the stingers. And on offense, I am trying to increase the opportunities for dingers. And in both cases, I'm also trying to reduce the opposite. So a lot of my lineup creation for the Fury Hardball is based on trying to avoid those big negative plays and increase the opportunities for the big positive plays. And then after that, I can figure out between the rest of it, like where can I maximize uh, my offensive output when I'm on offense and the out opportunities when I'm on defense. So we're going to go through this, and I am going to work with a team that I haven't created a lineup for yet, and I'm actually going to take from one of the free sets that's available from Play Now. And this would actually be from this past year. They, they did release a um, baseball collection, and these would be the actual playoff teams. I think it's referred to – let's see if I can find it on their site. Um 
But yeah, it's basically the playoff teams from 2021. So uh, it's the Fury 2021 series is what it was referred to. So it came with um, Houston and Atlanta. And I'm going to take a look at the world champion Atlanta Braves Fury hardball lineup and see how we want to put that together. So let's go through it and I'll read off the players and just kind of take you through this. So my... I have three slingers, right? And it's always important. You're always going to have three slingers. You have a total of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players in every line in every roster for a Fury Hardball team. From those nine, you need to put seven into your starting lineup. So there's really only two players that are not going to be in your starting lineup. So right away, you're going to start with your three slingers. And in my case, it's Morton, Freed, and Anderson. Those are my three slingers. So I kind of set them up first. And then I take my fielders, uh, which are also batters, and everybody's a batter, right? So you have your pitchers, who are, your slingers are batters, and your fielders are batters. So I, I call them fielders for this exercise. Uh, I've got Freeman, Albies, Riley, Swanson, Acuna, and Heredia. And those are my fielders. So the first thing I'll start with is the slingers. <clears throat> now, if it's a playoff scenario i may only need one slinger and i might just run the same lineup every game uh, so i always want to know who's my primary slinger in my current world cup season i'm doing it where they play a three game set so all three slingers will eventually appear in games but i still try to line them up one two and three but two and three can sometimes be interchangeable especially when you look at their offensive abilities so let's start with the the slingers and look at what they do as slingers where they don't, you don't have to worry about what, how they bat. So for Morton, his primary um, result is a zinger. And then he has a circle for an out with an asterisk. And the asterisk says that on a stuff pitch, he has a pinger. So here's what I hear on his card is I hear that there's an opportunity for a zinger. That's a plus, And there's no opportunity for a dinger. So no minuses. So that's a good. So we'll keep him on the board right now. Then I move to Freed. Freed has his main um, result as an out. His circle result is a pinger with an asterisk. And then on a big swing by the batter, he gets a zinger. So again, there's a slight opportunity for a zinger. Not as strong as Morton. And he doesn't have the dinger. But I would probably right now take Morton over Freed. And then we'll go to Anderson. So for Anderson, his main result is a pinger with an asterisk that says on a reach swing, he gets an out. And then his square result is a zinger. So again, no dingers, probably why they're world champs. Um, he also has the opportunity for a zinger. He actually has a better opportunity for the zinger than Freed. So we're going to actually move him into the two hole. But nobody sounded better than Morton. So Morton is going to be my slinger. We're going to take him, and now I'm going to take Anderson and Freed and move them to the batter's column because they may be eligible for a batter. All right, the next thing I do is try to solidify my defense. Um, I'm going to look at defenders first to see if there's anybody who looks really strong as a defender, and then I might default to, okay, who's a better offensive player if I have guys who are fairly close. So let's go through them. 
And again, I'm still looking for the same thing. I want to avoid the dingers. And in this case, I want to increase the opportunity for stingers. We'll start with Freeman. Now, Freeman has an out as his primary result. His circle result is a pinger, and there's an asterisk where he can get a stinger on a big swing. So not too bad, but there is an opportunity for a pinger. Ozzy Albies uh, has a stinger as his main result and then a square result for an out. So on his card, there's no opportunity for a safe hit, whereas Freeman did have an opportunity for a pinger. So I'm going to move Albies above Freeman. For Austin Riley, it is out as his primary result, and then he has a square result for a stinger. Once again, he has no opportunity for an a safe hit. So we're going to move him ahead of Freeman. And now I'm automatically going to take Freeman and move him to the batters because now I've got at least two fielders who have no opportunity to have a safe hit. So let's keep going through the rest of them just to see if there's anybody else who might be eligible here to become a, a really good defender. Uh, Swanson, has out as his main result. He has a circle result that's a stinger, but he also has an asterisk that says pinger on a reach swing. So we're going to move him to the offense. And then Acuna has an out as his primary result and then a, a triangle result for a stinger. So he also now has the opportunity to make outs without a safe hit. So we'll keep him on that list. And then the final fielder is Heredia, who has out as his primary result and then circle as, his ping, as a pinger result. So no opportunity for stingers at all. And because there's a safe result, we're going to automatically move him down to the offense too. So now that I have three guys who are fairly close, like I know who the right order is here. Albies is definitely the best defender. Riley is slightly better than Acuna as far as a defender because he gets stingers on a square, which means two out of six. Acuna gets a stinger on a triangle, which is one out of six. But because they're so close, I'm also going to look and see, like, who is it that looks like a decent uh, offensive player? Now, for Albies, uh, he has Dinger as his main result and out as his circle result. Riley has Dinger as his primary result. Circle is a zinger, but if he takes a big swing, he could get a dinger on the circle. And then Acuna has Pinger as his main result. Circle is a dinger, but that has an asterisk of a zinger when it's a stuffed pitch. So what you heard there was two of these batters have an opportunity to get zingers and one doesn't. Because on offense, I'm going to want to try to avoid the zinger. I'm actually going to take those two guys and keep them as my fielders. So Riley and Acuna are going to become my fielders. And I'm going to put Riley in the number two spot because he's slightly stronger for getting stingers. And Acuna is going to go into the third spot and be my, my number three fielder. And then... Albies, despite being the best fielder, is going to be the one who moves into the offensive space now. So what I'm left with now is six batters to choose from for four spots. I am going to end up with two reserves, and now it's where I also need to think a little bit about what do I want those reserves to look like. 
because there's an opportunity to have players ejected in this game on a winger, you have to really be conscious of not running out of substitutes. And the main thing you want to make sure is that you have at least one backup slinger who can enter the game. You are not allowed to substitute, like, if you lose your slinger but you haven't batted yet, or even if you have batted, you can't take somebody who's already in a position and move them to another position. So I really want to avoid using my slingers as much as possible, at least not both of them, in my batting lineup. So because of that, I probably almost have two different groupings here. I, I first am going to say, like, okay, I'm going to look at my batters. And if both my slingers were to fall out of it, I would probably be okay with that. Although my optimal op, my optimal result would be my bench would have one slinger and one fielder in it. But if I end up with two slingers, it's not the end of the world. Um, there tends to be fewer results that reach the fielders than they do the slingers. So I would rather, and you, if you don't have a slinger, the game is over and you forfeit. So... You really want to make sure you have that slinger. So if I end up having two extra ones, that's okay. But if it turns out that both my slingers are going to make the offensive lineup, then I'm probably only going to pick one of them. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Okay, so let's start with the slingers. Anderson has out as his primary result. He has a square for a dinger and with an asterisk that says pinger on a stuffed pitch. So he actually has a pretty decent chance of getting on base, and you didn't hear zinger. Like, that's one of the things I'm trying to listen for is, can you get a dinger? He can. Will you have a chance to get a zinger? He won't. So that's that's a, actually a decent offensive player. Freed has zinger as his main result and pinger as his square result. So no chance for a dinger, has an opportunity for a zinger. This is an easy decision for me. I'm going to move him to the bench because at best I want to have no more than one slinger in my offensive lineup, right? So Anderson could still end up in the bench, but at least for now he beats out Freed, and Freed is now on the bench. All right, we move to Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman has an interesting card because he's got Pinger as his main result, but there's an asterisk there that says he can get a dinger on a big swing. And then his triangle result is an out, but that also has an asterisk that says dinger on a big swing. So Freeman has a pretty good offensive card um, and a fewer chances for an out than Anderson. So we'll move him ahead of Anderson. No surprise there. Uh, Dansby Swanson has Zinger as his main result, which becomes an out on a big swing. And then he has a circle result for a dinger. So for now, we're going to move him up to the bench because he has a Zinger result. But depending on what happens with the other offensive players, he may end up coming back. Now I have Heredia, who has out as his main result and then a square pinger result. No dingers, but also no zingers. So not an ideal offensive player, but not the worst offensive player either. So we're going to keep him for now. And then the last guy is the one we talked about before, Albies, who, remember, had dinger as his main result. He gets about a 50-50 shot of getting a dinger and no chance for a zinger. So he's actually going to move ahead of Heredia. And let me see. I'm actually going to move him ahead of Anderson as well and let him slide in behind Freeman. 
So, yeah, I think at this point my lineup would be set. Swanson is going to end up on the bench. He did. He was the one batter that I had along with Freed who ended up having zinger opportunities. So despite the fact that he has a 50-50 shot of getting a dinger, which sounds better than Heredia, I would actually put Swanson on the bench because he does have the opportunity to get a zinger, and Heredia doesn't. Now, Heredia is not really a strong offensive player, and as I look at this team, it's, you know, the other thing I'll look at is a secondary thing, but I really won't use it to really alter the lineup, but just to get a feel for this team is, Freeman and Albies are both primary safe runners, and Anderson and Heredia are primarily out runners. So when it comes to the running game, I'm probably going to opt to keep Freeman and Albies uh, taking their chances where they can get them, and then Anderson and Heredia might kind of settle back in and not try to advance on stolen bases or trying to get the extra base on a pinger. And that would be how my lineup would look. Um, if it came down to it, and I was playing a three-game set with this team, and I had to use my multiple slingers, Morton obviously is going to pitch game one. And then I would probably go with Freed in game two. If you remember, like they were pretty even, Freed and Anderson, as far as their slinger ability. So since Freed is on the bench, I would just swap him and Morton and leave Anderson in the lineup. And then, you know, it's worth considering Morton's batting card, which says Dinger as his primary result, and then Zinger on a circle, and then Dinger on a big swing, if he because he has an asterisk on that Zinger result. So of the three people on the bench, Morton, Freed, and Swanson, um, you know, I have to figure out, like, who would swap with Anderson when it came time to have Anderson pitch game three. And in this case, I would probably choose Morton. I think he's actually even a better option than Swanson at this point. So Morton would take over as the number three hitter um, over Anderson. And usually that's what I'll do is keep the other three hitters in the same spot and just swap out the slinger like that and generally i'll have a slinger in the batting lineup um with most of my lineups because again ideally you're gonna want at least one fielder and one slinger on your bench but if you end up i have some teams um like one that stands out is when i play with seattle from the original set i end up having two slingers on the bench just because they're such poor hitters and it's not the worst thing. Like if I had to default, I would say I'd rather have two slingers on the bench than no slingers. So um, even if I have really strong hitters as my slingers, uh, one of them has to still be on the bench because I need to have at least one backup slinger because it's just too often that it turns out your pitcher gets ejected on a winger or they get a one result on the you know furious action chart and then they're injured like whatever it is you can't afford to not have your backup slinger so it's really important to have a backup slinger on your bench so this is what my lineup would look like there's probably a lot of different ways like i said there's a lot of different um, ways people put lineups together for me this is how i like to go slingers first fielders second batters third and it's always about trying to maximize the 
you know, the double win as far as your goes. If, if you're on defense, it's zingers and stingers. If you're on offense, it's dingers. And you also need to reduce your opportunities for the negative results, which would obviously be the opposite. So this would be my lineup with Freeman and Albies. Uh, Freeman, you know, like typically what's going to happen with Freeman is if he gets it on his card, he's probably going to get a pinger. And he'll have an opportunity to get to the bonus base because he does have a decent, you know, he's got a 50-50 shot of getting safe on that um, going for the extra base. He'll probably try to steal home from time to time as well. Um, you know, he's going to want to take a big swing. Like if I'm playing this where I'm not just rolling it, um, but if I'm using this team like head-to-head -head with somebody, I'm going to try to take a big swing and I'm going to try to be conscious of like some of the strategies, like will that hurt me against that starting pitcher? Um, and I'm not going to go a whole lot into the strategies, but that's the way I would try to play it with Freeman. The rest of them are pretty easy to figure out. There's not a lot of asterisk results. Uh, Anderson has an asterisk result as an, as an offensive player, but it's more about the pitcher. So the pitcher might have a chance to reduce his dinger opportunities by pitching stuff against him. Um, and then with Morton, um, I'm going to try to avoid the stuff pitch, you know, when I'm out there because uh, he could end up having more pingers than outs. So those are some of the things you look at from a strategic standpoint, but for the most part, this would be my lineup and it would be Morton at slinger Riley and Acuna at the two fielder spots. And then Freeman Albies, Anderson and Heredia, as my batters with Freed and Swanson on the bench. And that's basically how you do it. So that's, or at least that's my approach to it. Um, really curious. And that'll be my question for the week is for those of you who play Fury Hardball, what would be your method for creating lineups and feel free to post it on my Facebook page or send me an email uh, just telling me what your strategy is because I love to hear it and see maybe if it's better than what I'm doing. Who knows? But uh, this seems to work pretty well for my leagues and um, has worked well when I play head-to-head -head as well. So um, thanks for listening to this one. Here's what's coming up this week for the podcast. Uh, this this week we're going to have our our – our inside look at grid zone. So we're going to stay with stone mountain press again this week. And I'm going to be kicking off my first ever grid zone season. So I will take you through like what I've been learning about the game uh, through the early stages. And I'll probably play out my week one games um, and then give you some inside look as to how things are looking for that. And then next week for episode 41, we will, do an in-depth look at the different project types that I use as I put together my annual plans uh, that help me understand like, you know, I want to, these are the things that I typically try to mix around to the different games uh, to figure out like to get a good variety in my project types. So I'm going to give you a little overview of the different project types that I use for my projects. And maybe one or two of those will kind of spark some interest for you and help you on your tabletop too. That's it. So thanks again, and I uh, appreciate the support for the podcast.